right, open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Our text is going to be verses 3 through 12, but uh, I'm going to begin reading from verse 1 uh, through 3. And the, this morning's message is entitled, The Confrontation Between Good and Evil. The Confrontation Between Good and Evil. When Jesus returns to the earth at the end of the tribulation period, it involves a confrontation between Jesus Christ and the Antichrist, between good and evil. And this evil man is the incarnation of evil, evil in the flesh, and of everything that's against Christ, God, and holiness. He's the final and absolute expression of everything that is evil, everything that is wrong. And when Jesus Christ returns to the earth, he's going to put a stop to evil. And he's going to set up a blessed millennium of peace for a thousand years. And the Antichrist only cares about encouraging evil. So when Jesus returns to the earth, he will immediately have, like I said, a great confrontation with the Antichrist. But it's not going to last very long. It's not going to take long for Jesus Christ to put an end to the Antichrist rule. Second Thessalonians <clears throat> gives us a pretty good description of the Antichrist. And it shows how he's destroyed by Christ's coming. It's a short story because Paul gets right to the point. But even though it's short, it's very informative concerning the Antichrist and his downfall when Jesus returns to the earth. So the Antichrist is about to come on the scene. Let's look at verses 1 through 3 and then jump to uh, verses 7 and 8. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by sword or by letter as, it, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Look at verses 7 and 8 now. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed from whom the Lord uh, will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the Antichrist is about to come on the scene. But for the moment, he's being restrained. Look at verses 5 and 7 now. Paul says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he who is taken out of the way. So the coming of the Antichrist on the scene is not decided by the man of sin. Paul calls him the man of sin, the Antichrist. The two are the same. The Antichrist does not get to pick and choose when he comes upon the scene because you see the timing is controlled by someone else. And, of course, that someone else is God. The Antichrist would love to come sooner. He would love to start his chaotic uh, uh, life and, and corruption and evil upon this earth as soon as possible. But it's all in God's timing. 
He's being restrained right now by someone else who will be coming on the scene. Once the church is taken off of the earth, Satan and his forces will reveal their plan. The day of the Lord is the period that follows the rapture of the church. And it will be a time of great tribulation, a terrible time for the people who are left behind on the earth after the rapture. And Satan and his armies are going to be working on the earth. And God's going to send righteous judgment from heaven. And those judgments are found in Revelation uh, chapters 6 through 19. So, why can't Satan reveal the Antichrist sooner? Because God is holding back the forces of evil in the world today. Think about that. Look at the evil that we've seen uh, in this world. And that we've seen in the last several months. Uh, the example is the rioting. I mean, that is just a, a small glimpse of, of the evil and the uncontrollable evil that we are going to, well, not we, but those who are left behind at the raptured church are going to see in this world. Satan can't do whatever he wants to do. He can't do whatever he pleases. Now, who is this restrainer? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. The restrainer is now at work in the world. And we'll keep on working until he is taken out of the way, until the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. Only the Holy Spirit can hold back the Antichrist's plan and his presence upon this earth until it's God's time. Only the Holy Spirit has the power, the knowledge, and the ability to be everywhere to restrain the presence of the Antichrist in the end times. Now, what happens when the restrainer stops restraining? When it's time for the Antichrist to be revealed, the restrainer or the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way. And then there will be nothing standing in his way to do all the evil that he is going to do. That door of evil will be wide open. But keep in mind that even though evil will be great and it will be devastating upon the earth, it is still controlled by God. Because the Antichrist cannot do anything until the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, stops hindering him. The awful evil that will be seen during the Great Tribulation period, it may cause a lot of people to wonder, is God still in control? Has he lost control? Has things, have things become too big for him to get a handle on? But you see, our Bible here tells us that God is still in control. He will always be in control. You know, we may look around now and think, hey, has God lost control? Because the world seems to be out of control. Like I said, the riots that we saw a few months back, the looting, the killing, the violence, sheer mob mentality, that is just a small glimpse of what will take place on the earth after Jesus returns. Now again, the Antichrist will not come on the scene until it's time for him. Not until God allows him to. And that time is determined by God, but it hasn't come yet. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The word then here, it speaks of a, a point in time. Then speaks of the time that the restrainer or the Holy Spirit will be removed. 
And if we understand Scripture correctly, this means that the church will be raptured before the Antichrist will be made known to the world. Now, you know, in, in time past, people, you know, uh, are always trying to guess who the Antichrist is going to be. Some men in the past seem to have fit the bill for the Antichrist, causing some people to think that he's come. Uh, men like Hitler, Stalin, Saddam Hussein, and others like him were evil enough to pass for the Antichrist. But when, you know, the when, when that time, but that time, the when time hasn't come yet. The restrainer or the Holy Spirit hasn't been taken away. The man has not come. But when he's revealed, then men on the earth are going to know who he is. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the works of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. The Antichrist is going to be empowered by Satan. Anything that Satan has to do, it ha- he has to do with, with evil. So the Antichrist is going to be empowered by Satan, so that he, not, not so that he can do good, but he's going to be empowered by Satan for the sole purpose of doing opposite of good and encouraging evil. Satan wants to stop all good. Satan doesn't want to help society uh, do right and, and do good. He wants to corrupt our society. He wants to destroy it. And if you ask me, he's done a pretty good job already. And, and, and it's just a sample. Satan is going to give the Antichrist the power, it says in verse 9, to perform signs and line wonders. The word working that's used in verse 9 is a Greek word, a Greek word for energy, especially power that's seen in mighty works and miracles. But in verse 9 where it says all power, don't mistake that for the equal power that God has. Okay, all power does not mean Satan's power is equal to divine power. It's just a statement that emphasizes the great power that Satan has. Always remember, Satan is not God's equal. Not in any way, shape, or form. God has no equal. There's none like him. Isaiah 46.5 says this. God says, to whom will you liken me? And make me equal and compare me that we should be alike. Deuteronomy 32.39 Now see that I, even I, am He. And there is no God besides me. I kill, I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver me from my hand. So you see, it's so totally ridiculous to think of representing an infinite an eternal spirit by the figure that is of any creature whatsoever, and especially man. But it's Satan's attempt to change God's truth into a lie and to turn God's glory into shame. No one has ever seen any similarity of God, nor can ever, anyone ever see his face and live, the Bible says. So then, who can God be compared to? No one. It's also just as ridiculous to think of making any creature equal with a creator who is, who, is, who is infinitely above the greatest of all creatures. Or to compare him, that is the creator, with a creature. Because the creator is infinite. The creature is finite. There is no comparison. 
Now, Satan is powerful. And he's way more powerful than man. But he's nowhere in any way as powerful as God. And that's why the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, has to be, again, the Holy Spirit. Because he's the only one who could stop or delay the Antichrist from coming on the scene until it was ready for him to come, until God's plan was ready for him to come. The devil has great and deadly power to do evil. We've seen some examples in evil dictators from the past history, as I already mentioned, who were obviously demon-possessed. Hitler, especially, gave plenty of signs of being demon-possessed. And with that satanic power, he was able to influence all kinds of people. Uh, and, and, but it was so unfortunate that he influenced them for evil and not good. Now notice in verse 4 what Paul said. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Now the Antichrist is going to be very irreverent, disrespectful when it comes to God. The Antichrist's life will be characterized by such blasphemous sin against God. Verse 4 says he opposes and he exalts himself above all that, God, all, above all that is called God or what is worshipped. And you know what? <clears throat> this is mostly the attitude that we see today. The colleges, governments, science, and other organizations and individuals are strongly against everything that has to do with God and His Word. This helps us today to understand why the Antichrist is going to be so well-liked. Because it's, it's the thinking of man. It's, it's, it's what man thinks today. And why the Antichrist will be accepted, at least for a little while, when he comes into the world picture. Because, you see, the world is opposed to God. The world does not want God. They, many hate God. And that's why the Antichrist is going to be such a popular guy. Many people are opposed to God and His Word. Because Christians, you know, they say they are the enemies of the world system. They're the enemies of the world progressing and, and, and being, uh, you know, modern and, and, and catching up to, 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 to the, the, the time that we live in. You know, so, so you see, we're in the way of so-called progress. You see, you're either for God or you're against Him. And that's the only stand that you can take. There is no middle ground. You're either for Him or you're against Him. Not only will the Antichrist oppose the true and the living God, but he's, he, he's going to elevate himself as God. Like many rulers have done over the years. He will, he will deify himself. He will make himself a God in front of the people. Just like Satan tried to do in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. You know, it sounds like, like what Satan wanted to do. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High. That is exactly what Satan wanted to do. He failed, and now he's going to try to do that through the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to cause people to worship him. Because he's going to be everything that the world is looking for today. The Bible says in the last days that the men are going to be haters of God, lovers of pleasure. And we see that exactly thing, this exact same thing today. He's going to cause people to worship him, reverence him as God. Verse 8 says, that lawless one. Now in, in the King James Version, the word is wicked one, and it's translated to lawless one in the New King James. But the word wicked means without law. It means lawless. It means not having, knowing or acknowledging the law. Lawless in the sense of transgressing the law, a transgressor, wicked. And that's, those all describe who the Antichrist is. This means that the Antichrist disobeys any law that he wants to. And especially when it comes to God's law, the Word of God, the Bible. He called law, he's called lawless. Why? Because he doesn't acknowledge God's law. He straight out disobeys it. He treats it with contempt. And that's because he's empowered by Satan. He's the embodiment of Satan. It's understandable why he has the hatred he has towards God's law. And he will make the law conform to his actions. All right, he's going to make the law conform to his actions. And, and, and what laws don't conform to his actions, he'll simply trample on them in disregard and disrespect. And again, we see that exact same thing today. Looking at good as evil <clears throat> and evil good. And the Antichrist behavior, it gives us a general idea of how people think today. How they behave. And here's why. When they run God out of their lives. When you run God out, God out you have no standard. You have no basis for judging right and wrong. And every man does what's right in his own eyes. They do their own thing. And when they do this, they will put their own will above God's will and, because, and become disobedient to God's ways. And our leaders today, many of them, have accepted this godless mentality today. You see it in the way they, they, they rule the states and the, the and legislature, the laws that are passed. Today's leaders, man's law and God's laws are in conflict. God's laws and man's laws are in a desperate battle today for supremacy. And you know what? God's people, us, we have to stand up for righteousness. We can't cower. We can't run with our tail between our legs. You know, we can't say, well, no. We stand upon the Word of God. And if you do, you will always be right. You will always be right. And this is the most major battle in society today. Men don't want God in their life. They don't want to obey God's Word. So they live their own way and in their own will above God's will and way. Paul said in verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And man, we can see it. Which, which the mystery here that Paul is talking about is the revelation of a future climax of lawlessness in the world. We see that today. Then and now, 
a movement against God's law that's directed by Satan was and is in effect. Verse 9 and 10 says that the Antichrist is going to be a liar. He's going to be a deceiver. He's going to be unrighteous. He's not going to be a man of integrity. He will be the total opposite of Jesus Christ, who is the truth, the way, and the life. The Antichrist will not hesitate to lie, to deceive, and to seduce people. He will say one thing, and he'll do another. His so-called miracles, they will be what the Bible calls line wonders. Line wonders. You see, he's going to ooh and awe people. He's going to ooh and awe the people, the masses. He's going to be kind of like a magician, if you will. He's going to do like magic tricks, if you will, for the sole purpose of deceiving people into believing him. You know, we have a lot of people who are deceived already today. And so when the Antichrist comes into play, the godless world will be ready. They're waiting for him now. They're looking for that leader. They're looking for that guy who has it all, who's going to fix all of the problems. And everybody's going to be so happy. They're going to be easily deceived and they're going to play right into his hands. You you can't get any support for evil when you tell the truth. Now, if you come out and say, hey, you know, join with me. Uh, I'm going to do this. You know, it's, it's evil and it's, it's mean. And it, you won't get people to support you if you tell the truth. So you see, that that's why the Antichrist is going to resort to lies to gather support. If what you're doing requires that you, to be, you be dishonest, it's clearly not the work of a God. Disregard for the truth only shows that a person is evil. And those who want to do right will gladly welcome the truth. But those who are evil, they will resort to lies and to deceit. But here's the neat thing. The Bible tells us how it's all going to play out in the end. And that's where we have to keep focused, church. Not what's going on now. Not what may be happening in the future uh, of evil things. But how it's going to play out in the end. You see, the Antichrist, hey, he's going to have his time. He'll have his popularity. He'll have his power. He'll have his position. He'll have the worship of the people. But it's for a while. He'll have his moment in the spotlight. But then it's all going to come crashing down when Jesus comes to the earth and confronts the Antichrist. And as Jesus said in Luke 21, 27, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Notice in verse 8, it says, then the Lord will consume him, that is the Antichrist, with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. By his word, his spoken word, the pure word of God, along with the Holy Spirit, He will make the power of the Antichrist to consume and waste away. And in due time, it will be totally and finally destroyed, and it will be done. How? By the brightness of Christ's coming. The words consume and destroy in verse 8. Now, understand, that doesn't mean annihilate. That doesn't mean people will be dead and it's over and and annihilation and, and, and there will be no more. 
Because in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, it says that Satan and his host, notice, will be tormented in the lake of fire forever. You see, Jesus is going to overthrow them with the breath of his mouth. And he's going to bring an end to all that that Satan and, and the Antichrist are doing by the brightness of his presence. Think of it, the brightness of Christ's coming. What is that? What is that? That's the effect of the splendor and the majesty of Jesus Christ in his return to earth. See, sin is associated with darkness. And darkness dilates the eyes. All right, it it, it makes light intolerable to people. And while dilated eyes, with dilated eyes, you see, it's torture to come out into the bright sun. Now, many of you probably have had, you know, gone to the eye doctor and you've had your eyes examined and, you know, they put those drops in your eyes and they dilate your eyes to, you know, to do the examination. But before you go outside, man, they give you these cool little sunglasses, you know, to wear outside. But, you know, when you, if you take them off, you just, you can't handle the sun. I mean, it is so bright. And think of it, we're going to, the the people are going to see the brightness of the Lord Jesus Christ, which wouldn't even compare to the sun. So it's the same idea here, spiritually speaking. Nothing is brighter than the glory of God. His glory will literally disable and destroy the enemy. The Antichrist will be destroyed by the light of the glory of God. God's glory will put to shame all of man's glory that ever was. I love what Revelation 21, 23 says about the new heaven and the new earth. It says, the city had no need. Notice, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it because the glory of God illuminated it. Think of that. The moon, the sun. You know, it it won't need it. God's glory is going to illuminate this. And it says, the Lamb is its light. Can you imagine? The Lamb is its light. So how is it going to end? Well, verse 2 says the, uses the phrase, son of perdition. Now, the son of perdition is used to speak of the condition of the condemned. And here it tells us that the Antichrist will be doomed to eternity in perdition. That is, he will be put into the lake of fire and he will remain there for all eternity. Romans 20.10 says this, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire uh, and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented by day and night forever and ever. I'm sorry, that's Romans, I'm sorry, Revelation 20.10. That lake of fire is also where all repentant souls will also spend eternity. Because, as it says in Revelation 20, 15, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now think of it. You know, all those people who, who you know, who hate evil, you know, all the murderers and the rapists and the, and the dictators of the past and, and, and all kinds of evil people, all those so-called good people that did not that, that 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 their name was not found in in the in the book of life are going to be there with those people 
You'll be with those, those people that you hate and you think are the worst because, again, your name was not found written in the book of life. That means you never re- received Christ as your Lord and Savior. So the future of the Antichrist is not good, nor is it good for anybody that rejects Christ and is anti-Christ, against Christ. When Jesus comes to the earth, that's going to be the end of the Antichrist, and it's going to come, and it's going to end quickly, and it's going to end severely for him. The Antichrist's effect on man is very sad. Even though he's destroyed in the end, his evil will still have its effect on men. And it will cause them to be corrupt in their behavior. Look at verse 10. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive, notice, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the truth spoken of here is primarily a reference to the word of God. The influence of the Antichrist will cause people to turn against the Word of God. That would be hard for him in the day that we live in because the carnal nature of man cares for the Word of God and they will easily, doesn't care for the Word of God and easily turn against it. I should say that wouldn't be hard for him to do. In, that, in the day we live, because again, the carnal nature of man doesn't care for the word of God and they will easily turn against it. Most people today, in and out of church, show very little love for God's word. People want to be entertained by the word of God, but they don't want to be enriched by it. The people didn't believe the truth. And you see, when you don't believe the truth, you'll dishonor it. People don't honor the word of God today. Why? They don't believe in it. And you see, when you don't stand up for anything, you will fall for anything. And that's exactly what happens. So it's happening today. People don't believe in the word of God. They don't stand upon the word of God. They don't believe in anything. And therefore, they're falling for everything that comes their way. If you don't love the truth of the word of God, you are not going to live the truth. Look at verse 12. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Pleasure, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is, this is the only way you can end up. This is the only logical sequence. You see, you go from not believing the truth to not living the truth. You have no standards. You have nothing to direct your life. All of this shows the evil influence of the Antichrist. Whenever the devil is involved, wherever he's involved, this is his goal. To corrupt, to influence to corruption. Again, this is the process that Satan used in the Garden of Eden, and the devil has not changed his tactic. In the Garden, Satan attacked the Word of God when he was talking to Eve. And he caused her to lose affection and reverence and honor for God's Word. And then the devil took her, got her to take pleasure in doing unrighteous deeds. The word pleasure means to be well pleased, to think it good. It means to think well of something. And that's exactly what Eve did when, when Satan disarmed her of the word of God. 
when she saw that tree was good, notice, for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, she did eat. The work of the Antichrist is the same work of the devil because he is inspired by Satan. And it's to make men think that evil is good and good is evil. And man, our society is already there. They've already, been bought, they've already bought into it. Many in our society today already think that evil is good and good evil, bitter sweet and sweet bitter and dark light and light dark. Due to, the, to what they think, they think they're so clever, so full of wisdom. So because they wouldn't believe the truth and they wouldn't live the truth, but took pleasure in righteousness. Notice what Paul said in verse 11. And for, the, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Because God is going to send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Because they wouldn't believe the truth. Now, this doesn't mean that God is going to be mean to people. It doesn't mean that he's going to keep them from believing the truth unfairly. He's not doing that. We know that he wants all to go to heaven. He doesn't want anyone to perish. What this means is that the people who refuse to believe and honor and obey the truth, they're going to be cursed to believing and honoring and obeying the lie. It's just, it's going to happen because they have no truth. It's the principle, really, of sowing and sowing and reaping. It's cause and effect. It's the principle of sowing and reaping where God punishes people according to their own works, their own choices. The saving word of God will be the condemning word of God if you refuse it. The same word that will save you will condemn you if you reject it. And when you reject the truth because you prefer the lie... You're going to be cursed with the inability to discern error. And you will be easily easily deceived by evil. This curse on man isn't due to any random act on God's part. It's not an act of vengeance on God's part. It's just a natural result of man rejecting God. This curse is on man's part. Who fails to welcome, to accept, to embrace the saving truth, the saving word of God that has been offered to them through the Savior, through his work on the cross. The word strong comes from the same word as working in according to the working of Satan in verse 9. We mentioned earlier, it's where we get our word for energy. So this delusion is going to be very powerful. It's going to be very energetic. And it will be such a strong power that's at work in men that will lead them farther and farther away. Farther and farther astray so that they will believe what the Antichrist tells them. It will be a powerful desire and tendency to believe the lie instead of the truth. Because it, it, that's what they want as well. This will be a powerful curse. And the answer is that the gullible have rejected truth and their punishment is to be unable to discern error. So much so, to the point that verse says, they all may be condemned. King James says, damned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
The word damned, translated condemned, means to separate. In other words, Jesus is going to look at those affected by the Antichrist, and he's going to assign them to damnation. Why? Because they didn't love the truth. And Jesus said, what? I am the truth. They didn't honor the truth. They didn't live the truth. The damnation is the lake of fire where the Antichrist is going to spend eternity. And if you follow the Antichrist, you will follow him straight to hell. If you follow evil men, you will follow them right into the judgment, into their judgment from God. We have a lot of people in our society today who are like Antichrist, who have the spirit of lawlessness. John said in 1 John 2.18, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming even now, notice, even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that is the last hour. That is, many people, their character is the same as the Antichrist. And they have a great influence and effect on many people in society. That's why we need to shine as light and to be as effective as salt. We have to be just as effective as, these, as the character of Antichrist. That'll be the ultimate day of the confrontation between good and evil. And today, though, we need to confront evil. The church is the good, it's the salt, it's the light. We must have just as good an influence for goodness. The character of many today, like I said, is the same as the Antichrist. Again, an evil influence in society. And that effect is going to result in eternity and hell for them. Again, this is, this is not a nice story. But you see, people need to know what's coming if they turn away from God's truth. And they believe the lie, the devil's lie. And they end up in hell for all eternity. In closing, how much better it is to follow the example of the Thessalonians here. Christians who receive the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, They receive the word of God not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God. You see, they received the truth and they were saved. The question is, how about you? Have you received the truth? As John said, for all who believed Jesus and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are born again. Not with a physical birth by way of human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just come before you now. We ask, Lord, that your spirit, Father, would speak to hearts this morning. And for those watching, we do pray that the spirit would speak to their hearts. For those that don't know Christ, Father, that we pray that they wouldn't be a follower of the Antichrist. But would understand that their name, if it is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they are bound for hell for all eternity. A place of torment for all eternity. 
And Lord, if, if again, you have moved in people's hearts and for those that say, Lord, I, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to, you know, be a, a, a one who promotes evil and, and, and wickedness, God. But I want to know that, that when I die, I'll go to heaven. But I need Christ. Repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. I confess to you I am a sinner. I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me now to walk with you, God, all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. And, you know, if you've, if you've you know, said that, that sinner's prayer, um, get, get a, a good Bible if you don't have one. And, and uh, find a good Bible teaching church, a Bible teaching church. And, and begin to, to pray and, and to read the Word of God and, and to uh, share your message with those around you. Um, Tonight, we'll be back, um, so we encourage you to join us at 6 o'clock. Um, we will be uh, joining outside tonight, but uh, again, it'll be a neat time, so um, bring your Bibles and, and just enjoy it. It's Psalm 128 tonight, a great psalm. So uh, again, a psalm on family, so on psalm on marriage, so come in and be blessed. God bless you guys.